Welcome to the third episode of the Ego Chow Podcast. I'm Preston Byers and I'm with Justin Binkowski. And uh, today we're going to be talking about the 20 match super week that just concluded yesterday, as well as the first CDL major, uh, which will have $500,000 on the line, which starts on Wednesday. All 12 teams will be competing in a double elimination bracket, uh, similarly to um, last year's champs. Um, how are you doing, Bink? I'm doing well. How about you? Doing pretty good. I had to drink pop for the first time in a week just to get some caffeine in me because I was super yeah. tired. You drank what? Diet Coke. No, 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 no. No, I, I'm not going to say soda. We're not letting that slide. No, it's not pop. It is pop. Okay. Chat, what is it? Well, uh, guys, this is the end of the Ego Child Podcast. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. I'm going to catch you later. Our only moderator says it's pop. Therefore, it's pop. <laughs> what do you guys call it, soda? I call it soda, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's better than, like, sodi pop or just calling everything Coke. Like, no matter what the, the like, the beverage is, you're just like, oh, yeah, like, get me a Coke. And it's like, well, what about Pepsi? Yeah, that's a Coke. Have you ever heard people call that? I have not. That's I think it might funny. be a southern thing. Maybe. Um, all right, that was enough of pop talk. And uh, <laughs> um, I'm not sure where we should really start. If you want to jump into Super Week results or if you want to talk about something else, what do you want to do? I think we just get right into Super Week. I mean, 20 matches. we got a lot to get through, so might as well start there and work our way through. Yep. Uh, so on the first day, there was only two matches. This is the the lightest day, I guess. Um, we had Florida uh, kicking it off with a three one win over LAG. Um, any any thoughts? I know this was Florida's only only win of the week. Yeah. So um, obviously the week before, well, we had the first week, and then we had a little bit of a break before the Super Week because of the mm-hmm. situation in Texas. And Florida had only played Toronto before that, and Toronto beat them 3-1. So Florida had four matches to play this week, and we talked about it last week that uh, Florida started off by playing the Gorillas in Paris, and if they were able to take down those teams, they might be able to build some momentum up and maybe pull up enough, pull off an upset against uh, FaZe or Optic. Didn't really work out that way, but yeah. obviously they uh, took this one against the Gorillas. The Gorillas took the opening hard point, and then Florida won the last three maps of that series. Um, nothing in particular really stands out from that one other than, like you said, that was Florida's first win. Yep. And became their only win. Uh, then the second match of the day was Atlanta Phase taking down the Toronto Ultra 3-1. Um, I think I, I, neither of us picked Toronto to win this, but it was kind of, I don't know, I, at least I thought Toronto was a much better team and this would be a really good test for them. And they didn't look bad or anything. They actually were, they did pretty well. Um, what are your lasting thoughts from this 3-1? Uh, I think the biggest takeaway from that one was that uh, before this, Toronto had looked really strong and hard point, and uh, they lost both hard points against Atlanta. Obviously, the first map was a raid hard point. It was 250 to 247 Atlanta, so that's you know obviously close. Uh, the second hard point was Garrison. It was 250 to 128, so not as close. But uh, still, this was uh, – we'll get into Toronto as we progress through the Super Week. But um, 
people uh, some people had higher expectations for Toronto because they took down Florida. Florida mm-hmm. had beaten Atlanta in the preseason kickoff exhibition match. So people were thinking, oh, maybe Toronto is one of these top teams. Uh, they might be able to cause an upset with FaZe, but that's not how it turned out. Mm-hmm. Uh, on Tuesday, we had three really quick matches, three sweeps. Um, I don't. Uh, I guess I'll go in reverse order here because I don't think we have a ton of thoughts about Minnesota-Seattle. Uh, Minnesota 3-0'd Seattle. Uh, Seattle's... Um, what was it, the S&D streak, it came to an end, so that's that's something to note. And Minnesota actually won a hard point, which uh, I believe they've won a, like one or two more since then. Uh, but we don't really have a ton of thoughts about that. Uh, New York uh, got their first win of the, the season over London, and uh, this was really, really quick. I believe you did the calculation. It was like 22 minutes of actual in-game time uh, for New York to beat London which is actually just crazy. And then uh, the first match of the day was actually the real first upset of the entire Super Week, which was Paris sweeping Florida. So talk me through uh, the your guys, uh, Mike's guys, uh, Paris is winning champs crowd, um, them sweeping Florida. Yeah, so um, I think the, <laughs> you know, like we were saying, most people were expecting Florida to take this one. Um the one of the big takeaways was the series started on Garrison Hardpoint. It was actually the first time this season we saw the Hardpoint not come down to the 250 score limit. It went down to the uh, play clock or the game time. So Paris won 222 to 220 by uh, letting that in-game time expire. Um, and then Checkmate Search was 6-4 Paris and Raid Control was 3-1. So uh, at least in terms of score lines, it was a fairly close series, but uh, Paris seemed to be in control for most of it, in my opinion. And, uh, yeah, like you said, it was really the first major upset we saw the Super Week. So uh, kind of set the tone for, you know, what Paris was able to do. At least they, they put up a fight uh, throughout the rest of the week. They, well, not going to get into that till later. But, uh, you know. They, they did a lot better than some people were expecting for a team that got together later than others and, you know, all that drama and stuff going on in the preseason. Um, they, they surprised a bunch of people, and it started with this upset over Florida. Yeah, I didn't um, I didn't have high hopes for Florida uh, specifically uh, just because of how bad they looked in their first match, but I expected better out of them, and I didn't expect as much out of Paris. I'm, I'm not one of the... Uh, the more loyal supporters of the Paris is winning champs movement. Um, but I, I definitely didn't expect that. Like if they were going to beat them, I wasn't expecting it to be a sweep. No. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then, like you said, uh, New York with that three, zero win over to London, it was, as you said, 22 minutes and 49 seconds of in-game time, according to uh, just like the time that shows on the scoreboard at the uh, end of each match. So, uh, that's pretty quick. I think it was like a 10 minute, I think it was a 10 minute hard point, a seven minute search and a five minute control, or maybe it was, it, I don't know. It was something like that mm-hmm. in that ballpark. Um, so that, that was really quick. Um, as you know, this entire day was just three Oh nine Oh map count for the day. So it was a pretty quick day in general, but obviously that match was by far the quickest. 
Uh, and then, you, as you said, Minnesota over Seattle, not a lot to take away from that, in my opinion. Although the, the Raids search and destroy, Minnesota won 6-5. And for Minnesota, you know, their key to success this year so far has been search and destroy. And Seattle, who aren't don't look like one of the strongest teams right now, it's uh, a little bit interesting that that match was so close. But in the end, Minnesota pulled up 3-0 win. Yeah, but we'll talk a little more about Seattle and just – like how close they came to actually um, winning a few more matches or at least a few more maps. Um, but Wednesday, we actually had a pretty competitive day. We had, I would say, uh, we had our two first uh, game fives, and then we had a really good uh, series to end of the day. So let's start off at the top, Dallas 3-2 London, which is, I mean, Dallas is supposed to be one of the best teams, and London, you would presume, is one of the worst teams, but London gave lit- Dallas literally everything they could handle. Yeah, and uh, I think one of the key takeaways from this match was uh, this was Dallas's first match of the Super Week, mm-hmm. and they, in their last match, obviously, to end the other week, they lost to Minnesota in a series in which they won both hard points, lost both Search and Destroys, and the control to Minnesota. In this series, basically the opposite happened, where... Dallas lost both hard points to London, but won both S&Ds to take the series. So, obviously, the narrative around Dallas kind of shifted towards the end of the Super Week. But at this point, after their Minnesota and London series, people were starting to question Dallas in the sense of how consistent of a team are they. If, you know, they're dropping one mode to one team and then dropping a different mode to another team. Uh, some questions were arising at least earlier in the Super Week, but uh, they seemed to, I don't want to say turn things around, but they seemed to like kick into another gear, I guess, towards the end of the Super Week. Yep. Uh, LA Thieves um, beat Seattle in Game 5. Uh, this was another series where a presumably top-ranked team uh, was really tested by um, like a bottom-tier team. Uh, Seattle and London both got swept the previous day, and then they come out and force game fives against pre- presumably superior opponents. Uh, what, do you have any thoughts on Seattle nearly beating LA? Um, I'm if I'm remembering correctly, <clears throat> it, it was a pretty close series up until we got to that Moscow surge at the end where TJ just kind of popped off. Yeah, but... he went like eleven and zero or something. Yeah, he just went nuts and. I believe it was in the same series because it was raid control. This is the series where Looney started the overtime by getting that unfortunate mm-hmm. uh, yeah. triple team made. So some things obviously didn't go Seattle's way, but they still took a search and destroy and a hard point map off of one of the other top teams in the league, at least in most people's eyes. So, um, yeah, I mean, Seattle... I don't think it's any secret that most people don't expect the Seattle to be contending for a championship right now, but that's a lot better than just getting 3-0 smoked by mm-hmm. Los Angeles. You know, even uh, first map, checkmate hardpoint was 250 to 231, so that was close. Uh, the raid control they lost was 3-2, and then obviously they got 6-0 smoked by TJ in the Moscow search game 5, but other than that, all the maps were relatively competitive and pretty close. Yeah, uh, Seattle throughout the week seemed like they they just they lost some of their like the opportunities that could have helped them win a match or win another map in a series they just it went the opposite way which obviously sucks and it seems to be like a, a trend with this team uh, from last season they 
also had just very close games or um, they just never looked in sync. And uh, unfortunately, that led to a, a loss here. Um, and then our final match of that day was Optic beating Toronto. This is where my pick'em actually started to go off the rails because I actually picked Toronto. I thought um, regardless if they beat Atlanta or not, that they would uh, be able to take um, some respawns off of Optic. That was actually not the case. Optic won all three respawns, and Toronto won the S&D. What are your thoughts on Optic uh, rebounding from their loss to phase? Yeah, so I think you hit it there right at the end. Um, again, for a team that we thought was one of the stronger hardpoint teams in the game, at least in our limited sample size so far in the season, after losing both hard points and the control to phase, they do the same thing to optic, which it's a little interesting, I guess, if they're winning one of these maps and they're losing 3-1, it's a little interesting that it's a search and destroy, especially after what we saw from them previously, where we thought, you know, maybe if they're going to lose 3-1 to these teams, they might take a hard point and then, you know, take that first hard point, lose the next three maps, something like that. Um, but they're taking the search and, you know, people consider phase a pretty good search and destroy team they might not consider optic a really good search and destroy team but toronto is still winning that map so mm -hmm. if toronto can figure out whatever the big underlying issue is that is for them after this past week and we've seen them play well in hard point and we've seen them now take a search and destroy off some of these good teams if they can put that together they might be in that upper at least you know middle of the pack area that some people expected them to be in after they upset Florida in the first week. Yeah, and I think this series in particular, this is where I really started to see that Kleenex had, he was not having a good series. Like, I believe uh, in the, I think in the control and then the second hard point, he was double negative in both maps. Uh, Bance was, I think, I think I wrote that he was 16 and 24 in control in the second hard point. In that first hard point, they got fucking smacked around. Like, it was, what, 220 to 6 at one point? Oh, yeah. That was on a, Checkmate? Yeah, Checkmate ended 250 to 60. Yeah, but it they, was, it was they got smacked around. And that was in part because Bance was 3 and 15 or something at one point in that game. He obviously, like, kind of helped out near the end. They got a little bit closer, didn't get 50 point clubbed. But just the fact that. Uh, Kleenex did not play well in the respawn. Bance did not play well in the respawn. Cami actually had a pretty good series, I think, uh, barring one map. But when those two players are not even like going even or really just like, you know, just keeping keeping steady, it's it's got to be really hard, especially against Optic. It's like that that team's so slay heavy. It's they're always slay heavy, and if you're just getting bounced off the map and you're double negative there's no shot that you're gonna win and it's disappointing because they really fucked up my pick them too because <laughs> <laughs> between this match and i believe the next match that they had it did not go well for me um uh let's move on to the the next day uh new york uh they got another really quick win it wasn't as quick as their uh win over london but they 3-0'd minnesota Asim or Asim, I, I never know how to say his name. Um, he destroyed again. Uh, he had actually a worse S&D game, which brought his KD down to 11 at that point, um, which is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> what are your thoughts on the subliners having another um, really quick win? 
Yeah, so like that one was just a little bit slower than the London Royal Ravens. Yeah, it was like 25 minutes. It was 26 minutes and 40 yeah. seconds according to the end game time. And the biggest reason for that was that uh, the raid control ended up going to uh, round five. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm pretty sure New York won the first two rounds and then Minnesota won the next two. So if, Min- or if New York won that control 3-0, it would have been faster than the London series because it, the raid hard point was 250 to 82 and the search was 6-0 New York. So uh, another really good performance out of them. Uh, as you were talking about, Eason played really well this entire week, and especially in these early matches in S&D, he was just popping off. What did he had? So he went 22-2 and in the first two S&Ds, I believe. Yeah, week, yeah, like he did. That. Um, so yeah, he played really well. Mac looked better. Obviously, you know, we only had one, mat- one match to base off his performance early in the season on before the super week he looked like he was playing better this week at least uh but yeah new york new york looked like a good team and especially you know we'll get into it with their match in the next day but uh mm-hmm. they they look like you know a better team than some people might have expected especially with you know the whole zuma situation and everything that happened there in that boat along with London where they didn't have as much practice as some of these other preset rosters. So, uh, yeah, they look good. I think we should group these next two uh, matches together just because uh, they were nearly identical. Uh, Optic 3-1 LAG and Atlanta beat Florida 3-1. In both series, the underdogs, um, LAG, they won the first hard point. Florida won the first hard point. And then Optic and Atlanta just took over and took the rest of the maps. Um, this actually seemed to be uh, kind of a, a trend uh, a little bit in some of these series where these um, you presume uh, there to be uh, the favorites and they come out real slow and then everybody kind of gets their shit together and they turn up. Uh, what are your thoughts on Optic and Atlanta uh, finishing out the day strong? Yeah, I think that that's, like you said, the biggest takeaway was they didn't win the first match, and it wasn't a 3-0, but they ended up getting the job done after that. Now, there could be a uh, situation where they may have lost the veto, and that underdog team had the first pick mm-hmm. in the veto, so that could have been their map. Obviously, we don't know that for sure, but uh, that's one thing that could help potentially explain how this happened. But other than that, yeah, just like you said, uh, those teams took the first match, and then... They to, the other team took the next three. Um, nothing really stands out to me. I'm actually having a hard time remembering those matches off the top of my head. But, um, yeah, just turns out that uh, it was another win for Optic. And, obviously, Florida, who beat Atlanta in the preseason match, uh, weren't able to replicate that when it actually was a regular season match. Yeah, I think the the only big theme was their group's uh, play standings since they were both still competing for first place. Like if Optic or if Atlanta had lost, Optic would have had a chance. So that's really the only thing there. Um, And then we move on to the next day, LA Thieves 3-1 London. Uh, That's LA Thieves' fourth win in a row. Um, Any uh, big thoughts about this game? Um, Not really, obviously. London previously in the week had that 3-2 loss to Dallas in which they won both the hard points against Dallas, but in this match against the Thieves, they lost both hard points. The only map they won was the control. Um, other than that, no major takeaway. Obviously, 
uh, London is going to have a lot to work on, and we've we've touched on it enough with Parasite uh, having London be in the situation with Zero. They aren't as practiced as some of these other teams, and they ended up going 0-5 this week, so that could be a result of that. But, uh, yeah, they just look like one of the weaker teams in the league at this time. Yep. Um, then we had Paris, uh, ups, I don't know if this is an upset because Toronto was kind of slumping and Paris was kind of rising at the same time, but Paris, uh, they beat Toronto in a, uh, five game series and really killed Toronto's momentum. Um, so what do you, what do you take away from this? Yeah, I think you can consider it an upset at least, you know, when we started the, the week, it time. was, yeah. it would have been a major upset. Yeah. So at least based on that, from the last time we talked, uh, I think you got to consider an upset, but as you said, Toronto went on this losing skid, and Paris seemingly was able to piece together at least some map wins. Actually, before this, they had won that uh, Florida Series 3-0, so this was their second win in a row, actually, after winning their first, or they went 0-2 in the first week, and then won their next two matches. So, uh, yeah, pretty good performance. Um, let me look real quick. Um, I think that big takeaway was the Moscow search and destroy. Uh, Toronto won 6-0, and I believe that's the one where Methods had the 1v4. Um, that was pretty interesting, and Toronto won the raid control 3-0. So technically, both of Toronto's wins were pretty dominant. But uh, Paris took both hard points, and they took Miami search and destroy. And I believe Miami has been one of Paris's like go-to search and destroy maps at least early in the season. I remember they played it against London in the kickoff classic, and I can't remember off the top of my head when else they've played it, but I believe it's been one of their uh, go-to picks at least so far in the season. So um, that could be one of their key to successes. Maybe if they keep on uh, performing well on Miami, some teams have to veto that against them, and they have to you know play another map. I don't know. Obviously. We don't know the inner workings of the veto process like that, but uh, yeah, I think that yeah, at least on paper it was a major upset going into this week. And then we had the a, a great game, a good storyline game, uh, Dallas versus New York. Obviously, this was Clayster's first match against the Empire since he was dropped after winning uh, the World Championship, um, and New York was also on the rise. They had. Uh, just obliterated their first two opponents of the Super Week. And in terms of group standings, this was a huge game because uh, with if Dallas had lost, um, they were they had no shot at becoming the first seed in the group and probably would have been uh, either third or fourth, um, depending on how the rest of the matches uh, shook out. And New York still had a, ch a chance at the number one seed at this point. Um, but Dallas ended up reverse sweeping New York. Uh, it, it really looked like in the beginning, New York was going to do the same thing. They were just going to run through Dallas because it was a pretty lopsided, uh, hard point as far as I remember. And I can't remember the search score, but it was like six, three or something on yep. checkmate. And then, um, it was it just really, I mean, Control is really big. It can be a swing, uh, a swing, ma uh, a swing game. Excuse me. And round four, they really just New York just bungled it, and that kind of flipped the series on its head. So what that do you got the, for this? That was the offense that Dallas won, right? 
Yeah, um, where New York was up in like they had doubled the lives and there were there yeah. was less than a minute left in the round. Yeah, that's that's what I was gonna say. I think that was obviously the major turning point in the match, um, as you said. So the first hard point was checkmate, and New York won two fifty, one thirty eight, and the second uh, map was checkmate search, and New York won that six three, and it was looking like that that obviously put them on an eight map win streak based mm -hmm. on the. Uh, three previous three or two previous three others they had leading into this but then i think the uh that offensive round of raid control if we're remembering correctly uh i think yeah, it was, was the turning point in this match and that might have given dallas the momentum they needed uh garrison hard point was map four they took a 250 171 so you know it's not a 100 point win but it's decently convincing and then mm -hmm. uh miami search dallas wins six three so um yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with that one. Uh, it seems like that control, that round in particular, was the swing round. Gave Dallas the momentum they needed to pull off the first reverse sweep of the season. And uh, a lot of Clayster fans were probably upset that they weren't able to, uh, that he, his team wasn't able to get that first win against his former squad. Yeah, I, I wrote the recap for that match, so that's why it's so fresh in my memory. But when I watched it back, it was it's just really a simple thing there where uh, Asim is the only one on the B side of the map for New York. Illy kills him, so it's just like that part of the map is completely open on raid, and everybody has to rotate back on New York. And by the time that they're trying to rotate through like money and L uh, or uh, in cutout and then into basketball, Dallas already has control. They're already getting time. And when they get those kills, they just get more time and more time and everybody's on the point. And it's basically like New York is essentially respawning and sprinting to the uh, to the control point. And they don't really have a chance to even like regroup or try to make a good break or anything. They're basically just sprinting there. And yeah. that's basically it. And I mean, they lost the, the last round, but I mean, just the the momentum of and kind of like the the mental aspect of blowing that round where you easily could have finished it out um dallas was really just off their spawn uh when uh, asim got killed but it's just a ridiculous way to lose and i mean clayster look really pissed after oh, yeah. after that he was yeah uh, but you don't expect uh anything different from him i guess no, and that's that's a good point too, in the sense that uh, earlier when they had their three zero loss to LA Thieves, you know, all those matches were really close, and he was still upset. And I'm pretty sure he tweeted something uh, after the match to the effect mm -hmm. of like, if we, you know, don't make these small mistakes, we could have three would Thieves in that match. So uh, maybe that's the sign of him, you know, having another young team, and uh, maybe as we've talked about the lack of practice with this actual set compared to some of these other squads especially Dallas who's you know sticking together from last year minus Clayster but um yeah I think that uh might have played a role in it as well and uh the other thing we haven't really touched on is Hook's just a beast right now mm -hmm. he, he's looking like the best player in the game and uh some of the stat lines he's put up so far in the season are kind of ridiculous well, I mean, I thought he was really good last season. I know Shotzi got a lot of love, and deservedly so, for his like back half of the season performance. But I put him down as an MVP candidate because I thought Hook played incredible throughout the season. I thought he was probably the most consistent player um, from like a whole season perspective. Um, and 
uh, when I was in the Dallas press conference today, Ray uh, Rambo Ray even said that uh, Hook has just been gross for forever now, and that yeah. I think people are just starting to realize, or like they're like it's so hard to not realize it now. But he's always been this gross. Like he he's basically like a like a prodigy before. Oh, yeah. So um, yeah, he's just he's nasty. Yeah, and we we don't have to touch on it for too much longer. But I think you know you kind of hit it there at the end where you're saying like last year Shotzi kind of took over that superstar role and it doesn't mean who had a bad season or mm-hmm. anything like that. But you know before that point he was always that superstar player. Like you know in Black Ops Four, EG wins champs and then goes to five v five and they join Envy with Hook to you know add that superstar player. And you know he was a star in. Uh, advanced warfare and you know then he had to wait for his time to shine and come back but he's always been one of those top tier players and then uh last year at the start of mw was where they had uh to figure out some roles with the field upgrades and stuff like that with trophy and bed silence or who was going to run their smoke and stuff like that and they started out with Shotzi being that you know running the smoke and the trophy i believe and playing in the hill and they're it didn't work out and they were kind of just like okay we need shots you running all over the place killing people and hook's just like all right i'll sit in the hell you just go do whatever you gotta do and uh that might have you know changed the narrative around him a little bit so that's kind of interesting at least from that perspective but uh yeah he's he's looked really good so far this year mm-hmm. uh saturday we had a entertaining series to start off um we had atlanta uh, winning 3-2 over Paris. Uh, Paris had a lot of opportunities to close this out, um, in my opinion. Uh, what are your thoughts on Atlanta and Paris? Yeah, that, that first match was crazy. That was a checkmate hardpoint, 250-249. Mm-hmm. And uh, it looked like FaZe had a chance, too, at the end there when Simp getting that crazy spawn in the back of P2. But uh, Aqua picked up the kill literally with Simp, like, jumping into the hill and almost getting the last tick for FaZe. But... Uh, as a really crazy map, and then um, the checkmate search. The very next map was six five, so that came down to the wire too. I think Paris was up five three or five four, and then uh, Atlanta ended up coming back towards the end. Sal had a, a two piece in plane um, in round eleven, and uh, yeah. Then after that, Paris took the control, but Atlanta took the last hard point and last search. So uh, Paris put up a good fight. Um, I don't think a lot of people expected that nope. result. Most people probably expected Atlanta to win 3-0 or 3-1. Um, but as we were touching on earlier, you know, Paris was coming off that 3-0 win over Florida and the 3-2 win over Toronto. So maybe they had some momentum from those other wins and they probably turned some heads. Yeah, I I don't know if Atlanta having already clinched their spot in the group um, because they were 4-0 and then... Um, so they had already clinched first seed. I don't know if they weren't like, you know, I don't, I don't want to say that they're not trying, but like, no, yeah, that they're Maybe not. They kind of experimented with a map. Yeah, or like they're not going to show everything that they have, or like put everything, every resource they have into this match, because Simp looked atrocious in like two of these maps. Which I mean, he looked atrocious for anyone's standards, but especially because we're so used to him, you know even if he goes even like that's like the worst we would expect but he was at one point triple negative i believe in that control 
Yeah, he had a bad control. And then he obviously turns it around, and he has 32 kills in hard point. And then uh, I wrote down the 1v3 uh, from Simp on raid S&D, and then the last round, Selium, I believe, had a 1v2 and defused. So just like two very unlikely scenarios really helped FaZe because they would have went down 4-3 uh, on uh, that search and destroy if Simp didn't 1v3, and obviously they closed out the map because Selium clutched. Like, that's that's what you expect out of those guys, but it's also not something you should expect. It's not something that you should rely on, especially as you progress into the major. Uh, some of these teams will be a little bit better in search. I still think Paris is, you know, at the back end because they didn't have enough, uh, as much time as the rest, and I, I just don't think they're as talented uh, personally as, like, a lot of other teams. So maybe... Um, against a better team, they're not going to clutch these ones, and you're going to lose that search when you really need to win. Yep. I think, you know, uh, Simp, as you said, I, I kind of didn't touch on it, but you did a good job there, you know, mentioning you had that uncharacteristic third map, but you flipped the switch and really popped off in the last two. And uh, like you said, the 1v3 in that uh, search, and then... If we want to touch on it now, there was a little bit of the uh, snaking drama starting with that map. Yeah, so, we should talk know. about it now. Um, I mean, this is this popped up right after this match, and then it obviously uh, popped up earlier tonight, uh, maybe like an hour before we went live. Um, basically, I think it started with the the person who's brought it up. I think consistently is Slasher, and he's basically said like, "There's no room for snaking in our league." And Selium, uh, at least in Slasher's opinion, is a major culprit in this, in that he's basically normal, normalized snaking, and he does it enough to piss off a lot of players and a lot of teams. And Simp, Simp and Selium have obviously defended him and said, like, it's not as big of a deal as people make it out to be, and... Selium is not the only player that does it. I, I guess, like, what do you think of snaking in the league and if there's a way to fix it or if, if Selium is really to blame for this? Yeah, so uh, just real quick, in case there's anyone watching who doesn't know what we're talking about, uh, snaking is a movement mechanic in COD where you repeatedly, and this is a major point of the debate in my eyes, uh, where you're repeatedly going in and out of crouch um, on a head glitch or any type of structure so it basically the opponent can only see the tip of your head and it makes them harder to shoot you so um yeah i think for starters um not obviously sure what the first instance of it was in this particular series but i know i saw after simps 1v3 so that would have been round eight i believe uh fire was snaking like crazy and uh, I wish we could show the clip, but uh, he was, it was, there was a one, I think Simp ended up in a 1v2 and he was back, uh, or it was a 2v2 and Fire was on the laundry head glitch and Simp and I think it was Arsides, whoever his teammate was, were both coming out of kitchen. They come around the corner and Fire's just bobbing and weaving uh, up on that uh, laundry head glitch and uh, they pick up a kill and Simp's left in the 1v2 and Fire rotates back into ring 
and he's do- and then he's snaking one of the you know little head glitches inside a ring, and Simp kind of he was close to streaks and he just dipped and went to D ball and Paris won that round. So uh, obviously I'm not sure if that's the first chance because we don't see all the player perspectives, but uh, at least from what I saw on the broadcast, it looked like fire was the one who was at least you know heavily snaking in the sense of doing that repeated motion multiple times but for whatever reason just maybe because it was selling him in that last 1v2 when they won that round he picks up the kill in uh pool stairs on raid and he goes down to the jacuzzi and i think the distinction for me at least is that he wasn't snaking to the extent where he was like you know five or six times going up and down on that jacuzzi head glitch. It was more of like a, like one crouch. He popped up, saw Aqua. I think it was Aqua. He was in Tiki and then Cell did like another, like just a mini, you know, I guess the mini snake is a good way to say it, where he just goes down and up real quick again and he takes the gunfight. So at least in my opinion, that's in that situation, it looked like fire was you know doing the abusive snaking to the point where it was extremely excessive whereas Selium you can say his clutch towards the end was a snake but it wasn't to that extent where he was just repeatedly going up and down out of, in and out of crouch mm-hmm. um so i think that's just an important distinction to make obviously as we saw tonight there are clips where Selium has done plenty of snaking before and i think that's part of this argument where a lot of pros are saying that he's, you know, one of the main culprits or one of the main forces behind snaking still being a part of competitive COD. But um, I'm not sure if we can really pin it on him. That's a whole different other topic. But it's, at least from my perspective, I just don't know if there's a way to fix it. Like, you, unless you remove crouching from the game, or I saw somebody on Twitter say maybe put a cooldown for when you go to crouch and out of it for how long you can go back into crouch. Like, I don't know, just the way Call of Duty is right now, I'm not really sure if there's an actual fix aside from what the players tried to do in the sense of GAing it. But that's obviously hard to enforce. Mm-hmm. So um, that was kind of long-winded, but uh, yeah, I don't really know if there is a way, at least with what we have right now, yeah, uh, to completely remove snaking from the game. It's going to be something that uh, maybe the pros have to work with the devs on or something like that down the road, but uh, it's definitely something we're going to have to keep our eyes on throughout the rest of the year. Yeah, outside of something that CSGO has where you, can, you can't really spam crouch like over and over again, it basically like you can crouch once and you can crouch again, I think, and then if you do it a third time, you're basically like in slow-mo almost, like you go down so slow that it's not even worth it. I'm not sure if something like that can be installed in COD with it being so fast-paced and people need, needing to you know get out of prone and get to crouch and then to stand up. I'm not sure if that can actually be instituted the same way. And every time that we've had this conversation, because it, I think we nearly had an identical conversation as a community, um, I believe when Zuma did it, um, uh, what's, what's the map M- MW, um, yeah, same Petro. Yeah. Kind of on the, the bar. Yeah. yeah. So I, we had the same basic conversation of like, this needs to stop. It's BS, blah, blah, blah. All right. 
what are you doing about it? Like, wh what can be done uh, other than blacklisting teams uh, when they do it? Because that's basically what they're threatening FaZe with is if Celium or, I mean, if anybody does this repeatedly, I guess, then we're going to blacklist you. We're not going to scrim you, blah, blah, blah. Does that really work? I guess we'll see. But I don't think, like, every time we, we talk about it, it's like, all right, no one do it. And then when it's round 11 and you have a head glitch and you need to you need to win this round 11, you're going to snake or something or you're going to do something that people consider to be snaking. Like what you said, like where it's not as blatant as just bobbing up and down repeatedly, but you do something where you, you look up, you go down, you look up, and then you go down again. That's snaking, technically. So what can be done? I'd... I mean, the devs have to figure it out, probably. Yeah. I mean, that's I mean that's the most basic solution for every problem that COD has in game is just have the devs do it. But I don't know if we're if uh, the community effectively polices itself in this manner. Yeah, I think uh, the only other thing I can think of aside from like a cooldown, like you were talking about, or something along the CS:GO lines, which obviously I don't really know about. Yeah. But um. Maybe if there's a way to just, like, fix the appearance of the character model when somebody is doing the snaking, um, maybe there's a way to just not make it as, like, difficult to actually see or shoot them. I don't know, again, yeah. enough about designing or anything like that, but um, I think, you know, regardless of whatever happened in that last match where, you know, it really came out and people are talking about it, regardless of who started it again or all of that, the, the major point of the, the major fact of the matter is that uh, snaking is an issue mm -hmm. and that we got to find a way to fix it. Whether it's literally just having the pros say, you know, we're all just going to not do it. Clearly that's not really working, but I think that's the only real option right now until we get some developer help in the sense of trying to figure out a solution. Yep. Um, I think we should move on to uh, the final two games of Saturday. Uh, Minnesota, a pretty um, one-sided uh, stomp of London, 3-0. Uh, and then uh, in that last match, we had LAG uh, in a game five. Um, they beat Toronto, uh, who actually wins a hard point again. Um, so this caps off a 0-4 week for Toronto, which is a huge surprise, at least to me. I don't know if it's the same to you, uh, but 0-4 after looking really good against Florida in uh, the first week. So what are your thoughts on this LAG win over Toronto? Yeah, definitely a surprise to me. I believe I would have picked them to go 2-2, two and two, mm -hmm. uh, beating LAG in Paris, losing to Florida, or sorry, losing to Atlanta and Optic. Mm -hmm. um, so it definitely was a surprise to me. But, I mean, obviously, if I could have made the prediction the day before that match where they're already on this three-game losing streak, I probably would have picked the Gorillas just based off of how Tor Toronto had looked heading into that match. Um, I think, as you kind of said, they got back on track, at least in the sense of winning a hard point again, finally. But um, it, what they had done earlier in the week where they had only won the searches against, uh, they'd only won the search against Paris, FaZe, and Optic, I believe, and they won uh, control against Paris. So, uh, they get that hard point win, but then they lose 
both search and destroys to the gorillas. And the gorillas should be a good search and destroy team. Uh, we saw that kind of funny banter on Twitter with Methods and Silly, where Silly like tweeted his coaching link or whatever. Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of funny. But uh, yeah, that's kind of similar to at least what we were talking about with Dallas. Not saying you know they're similar teams, but just in the regard that uh, Toronto was losing or they were winning search and losing the hard points early, early in this week, and then. They finally win that first hard point. Yes, you know, maybe they might be able to pull this off, and then they struggle in search. So definitely seems like there might be some consistency issues with Toronto. Obviously, they're on a four-game losing streak now, so uh, they they don't really have a lot of time to figure it out before the major this week, but um, they have a pretty good coaching staff, so they might be able to find a quick fix. But if they aren't able to, they uh, might be headed home early from this first major. Mm-hmm. Um, and I... I think that uh, I don't really have a lot to say about this series, but uh, I'm, I believe that Toronto's biggest issue has been control. I think they're one in four in control, and uh, so that makes them 50% in respawns, and then I think they're about 50% in S&D. I think they might be three and four or something like that. But, I mean, from a t- for a team that you expect to be good in respawns, to be one in four in control, and to have a sub-500 record in hard point, it's gonna be really hard to win. Like, LAG is not a great heart. Or is not a great respawn team, and you know, I, I I just don't know. Like, you can't lose control consistently and expect to win. It's just, especially when you're not an elite S and D team. Like, I don't know. Like, who who's a really good S and D team right now? I guess Minnesota's is pretty good. Um, Dallas has looked up and down, I guess, but. If, unless you're an elite S&D team, you can't really afford to lose control consistently, and Toronto has done that, unfortunately, for their fans. Um, unfortunately yep. for Benzie, basically. Um, <laughs> and the last day, we had kind of two like so-so matches. Um, we had New York and Seattle uh, and Optic in Florida. Again, a very similar thing from Optic Atlanta earlier in the week. Um, New York and Optic both dropped the first hard point, and then immediately won the next three maps. Uh, what are your thoughts on these two series? Yeah, those, those are, you know, you don't have to touch on it too much. Yeah. But, uh, like you said, similar to some of the matches we saw earlier in the week where that under underdog team, at least in this particular match, uh, Seattle wins the first hard point, New York wins the next three maps, and then same thing, Florida, who were considered the underdogs, uh, heading into the match with Chicago, they pull off the win in that first hard point against Optic, and then Optic actually wins the search 6-5, wins the control 3-2, and takes the last hard point 250-178. So it was some close matches in that one, but at the end of the day, Optic pulled it out, and Florida, obviously the biggest surprise is uh, them coming in last place because uh, they went 1-4 just like Toronto, but obviously Toronto's one win was against Florida, so Toronto has... Uh, that tiebreaker over them and Florida technically comes in last place in the group, which I don't think anyone would have predicted before the start of stage one. Well, no, especially since they beat phase and kickoff. So that's a really big factor, I guess. Um, and then the last uh, match, uh, perfect setup for a CDL to have these two teams um, uh, finish out the week. They are both vying for the first place spot. Um, basically if LA won, they were first seed if Dallas uh, won, they were first seed, and um, you know Dallas could have 
uh, easily just have been in third because uh, there would have been a three-way tiebreaker with New York and Minnesota, and they would have been underneath New York. Um, but Dallas comes out uh, really hot. Hook, again, just does his thing, and they sweep L.A., and that kicked off a ton of drama today. But, um, <laughs> but what do you think about Dallas coming out and asserting their dominance? Yeah, I think that's important to mention, too. Just like you said, uh, if Dallas had lost this match, they would have been the third seed mm-hmm. in Group A, which means they would have played Optic in the first round of the major, which means either Optic or Dallas would have been in the loser's bracket. I think that means, uh, looking at my bracket, I wrote down they would have dropped down to loser's bracket for whoever loses that first match in winner's bracket. So uh, that's obviously a pretty big deal. Uh, Dallas, uh, I think... If I had to pick between Dallas or Optic, I would probably lean Dallas, especially after this win over the Thieves. Mm-hmm. But uh, still, that's obviously a really big match between two strong teams to be happening extremely early in that winner's bracket of the first major. So that could have had big implications on the final standings of not only the major, but also in terms of how many points these franchises are getting. And obviously, CDL points mean everything going into champs. So, uh, yeah, that could that could have been a big... Big difference compared to Dallas getting the first seed and having that buy in the winner's bracket semifinals. Yeah, um, this is also the first time that we saw LA really like look truly vulnerable because even in that New York series uh, where they uh, won every game, it's like, I mean, they've they had dropped like two or three maps heading into this. To, so th- to get swept is a really big shock. Yeah, and I mean, technically... Uh, if I'm looking at this right, LA Thieves played uh, Seattle and then London before this match against Dallas. So obviously those two teams came in the bottom of their group mm-hmm. and they had already played Minnesota and New York in the previous week. So maybe that had something to do with it. They were 4-0. Yeah, they, they were looking good and they were 2-0 in this week, but they're obviously playing two of the weaker teams in their group. So maybe that had some influence on, you know, their performance or their level of practice. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, Dallas, even though Dallas played London, they went 3-2, so they played more maps technically. And then Dallas went 3-2 with New York, and obviously that was a heated match and you know a reverse sweep, so that was hard fought and pretty good practice. So maybe that had some effect, obviously. Not going to really know without talking to the guys. But um, other than that, Dallas looked pretty strong in this one. Uh, they ended up taking that. First hard point on raid, 252.12, and then uh, checkmate circuit destroy was 6-5 with Krim uh, getting that 1v2 at the end in round 11 uh, where he went, he got the, the kill in the 1v2, and then it was a 1v1 with Temp, and he just went for the defuse and Temp didn't check it. So uh, veteran play there. We always like to see ninjas, quote-unquote ninjas. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, Dallas took the control 3-1. I believe Hook... I dropped like 30-something kills. I wrote that recap. I think he might have dropped 38. It was either in the control or hard point, but he had a really good map. Uh, I think it was the control where he had 38. But, uh, yeah, that was, that was a convincing win, and I think it was an important one, obviously not only in the sense of uh, Dallas getting the first seed, but in the sense of just building confidence and momentum heading into the major. Yep. Um, so with that, uh, we're done with the Super Week. Um, I guess I'll just quickly run through the standings. So in Group A, uh, Dallas finished first, LA Thieves finished second, um, the Subliners finished third, uh, Rocker, they lost a the tiebreaker with New York, so they're fourth. 
Uh, Seattle finished fifth, and London, um, who did not win uh, a single match, they're the only team uh, in group stage that didn't win a match. Uh, they finished sixth in Group A, and then in Group B, we have Phase uh, One, Optic Two, LAG, who actually have a losing record. Uh, they finished third because of a tiebreaker um, with Paris, um, and then Paris obviously got fourth. Toronto down at fifth, and Florida at sixth. Uh, group B is definitely the the bigger surprise out of these two, um, and that'll lead in to the five hundred thousand um, dollar major, uh, the first major of the CDL season. Um, similar format to uh, champs last year, double elimination. Um, so Dallas and FaZe, since they finished first in the groups, uh, they are essentially two matches or two wins away from grand finals, um, which is ridiculous. Um, uh, I guess I'll try to pull it up here. Let me see if it'll actually work for me. Moment of truth. So, uh... See, zoom in on this if this works. Oops. Um, all right. So here we can see the winners bracket, um, and here we can see the losers bracket. Uh, I believe they they're kicking off um, the first week or the the first day with the losers bracket. We have Toronto uh, versus London, and Seattle versus Florida. Um, and then uh, those guys will play, um, Paris will play the winner of Seattle, Florida, and Minnesota will play the winner of Toronto, London. So let's start with uh, Toronto, London. Any thoughts uh, in your predictions for this match? Yeah, so uh, I wrote down my bracket on paper. So for those of you watching a video, if it looks like I'm not looking at the camera, I apologize. But um, I think this is pretty clear cut. You know, even though Toronto is on that losing streak, I think they're going to end up taking this one. Um, I guess London obviously hasn't won a match yet, and with Toronto on their losing skid, this might set up London for, like, best-case scenario, at least, in terms of, you know, their struggles so far, who they could have ended up playing uh, for this first match. So maybe they're able to pull it off, but I think uh, I think Toronto's going to figure it out and take this one. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think London... They looked decent and and sometimes and then they just looked overmatched in in some other matches and I think Toronto is I wouldn't say like a like a super good team but I if Kleenex uh, and uh, Bance do even remotely decent I think they should win here um, as far as Seattle Florida I guess I'll put my prediction down first I think Florida uh, will win this um, although. Neither of these teams looked particularly good. Uh, I, I really don't know what to expect. Uh, Florida should be a lot better than they are. And I guess I'm just thinking that they'll be better in this scenario. What do you think for yeah. Seattle, Florida? That's a, I, I think Florida takes this one too. But uh, again, both, both teams had their struggles mm -hmm. during the group play. And uh, now that I'm thinking about it, really, just all four of these teams that finished at the bottom of the groups – I guess you could make a case for either team winning each of these respective matchups, but at the end of the day, uh, most people think t thought Toronto was going to be a stronger team heading into the season. Most people thought Florida would be a stronger team heading into the season, so uh, I think that's going to end up being the case, at least in these first-round matchups, and I believe Florida will take this one. Yep. Um, I think, uh, so I guess we'll just... 
Do you want to keep moving through the losers bracket or do you want to yeah. go? Okay. So um, if you have Florida uh, winning, we have Florida Paris in losers round two. Uh, where do you got there? I'm going to go Florida 3-2. I think, you know, obviously Paris had the 3-0 win over him last time. Uh, not really sure. Obviously, we could say Paris would be favored just based on standings and, you know, past history. But mm -hmm. I think if Florida is able to come out and take down Seattle, at least convincingly, you know, it's not a series where it comes down to a wire and, uh, you know, they have to sweat it out to really take that one. If Florida looks as strong as people expected them to be coming into the season, they might have some momentum behind them, and uh, I think they can take down Paris if they get there. I will say uh, Paris. Um, I don't. I'm not on the the bandwagon yet, but um, <laughs> they definitely looked good uh, throughout the week. I thought they should have beaten Phase. Um, they they let it slip away there, uh, but overall, I think they played well as a team. And um, I, I just, I really don't know what to expect out of Florida. I yep. like, I think Florida will beat Seattle, but beating Paris, who looked competent and really, uh, really gave a lot of teams like a good shot. I don't know if uh, they can actually pull that one off. Yeah, uh, I just think if Florida gets to that point, as much as I want to pick Paris, mm -hmm. I just really think that. Uh, Florida has the more talented team on paper, and if they're able to get it to click in this major, then uh, they should be able to take down Paris. But for all we know, Florida could come out really flat, lose to Seattle, and then Paris plays Seattle. I think Paris would probably take that one. Mm -hmm. So uh, these these early losers bracket matches are a little bit tougher to predict than I expect, but uh, I'm going to go with Florida. Okay. And then we'll have Minnesota versus Toronto. Uh, who do you got there? I don't see any way that Toronto wins this in their current form. Yeah, unless me neither. Unless there's some major turnaround, you know. Obviously, they, Minnesota's a pretty good search team right now. And uh, Toronto has had their hard point struggles, and even though Minnesota did too, um, I just think Minnesota looked like the better team so far at least you know based on toronto's current trajectory with their losing skid so uh yeah i, I just think minnesota will take this one if it's minnesota to well i think minnesota will win this match regardless of who they play gotcha um i i feel the same way uh, i don't really have any uh doubt that minnesota I, unless toronto just turns up and they're the team that we thought they could be or they thought thought they would be um, at least, like you said, if they're in their current form, there's no shot that they beat Minnesota. Um, so now we're getting into uh, scenarios. So I believe you said that Chicago, uh, the yeah, loser so of Chicago, New York, up. would drop down, and they would play. So you think they'll play Florida, right? Yeah, so so what I have, I have uh, Chicago beating New York, okay. and then LA Thieves beating the Gorillas. And that means, according to the CDL Pick'em website, uh, New York would drop down to that match to play the winner of Paris's game, and mm -hmm. then Gorillas would drop down to play the winner of Minnesota's game. So, uh, at least in that column for me, I have Chicago beating New York, the Thieves beating the Gorillas, then I have New York beating Florida, and Minnesota beating the Gorillas. 
Okay. Yeah, so I also have Optic winning, uh, although I do believe in New York. I feel like it's a United situation where you should just bank on them like not performing well to start off or something. Like I just get an United vibe and I don't really trust that vibe as much as like I probably should. So I'll say Optic uh beats New York and I'll say I mean I don't think really anyone's going to pick LAG other than Benzie. So um I'll say uh the Thieves win. So that would put New York versus Paris in mind and LAG versus Minnesota. Can you, Josh has brought up a good point in chat. Can you pull up the CDL pick on website and maybe try it on there? Yeah, what is it? Just COD League? Uh, Call of Duty so. League? I have it on Pick'em. Yeah, pick'em.calladutyleague.com. Pick'em.calladutyleague.com. That's what I was using before, but it doesn't, for some reason, I couldn't save it, so that's what made it tough okay. for me. Uh, yeah, me... so you just go. Is it locked? It does look like it. Maybe I just need to refresh or something? Uh, I don't know. That's weird. Oh, well. Regard. We can just yeah. go back to COD GamePedia one. I guess it's fine. We can just talk through it. Yeah, so, uh, so for you, you have... Did you already say your losers bracket um, winners of New York versus Florida? Yeah, I took New York over Florida and then Minnesota over Gorillas. Okay, so I'll, yeah, I mean, I'll say I have New York versus Paris. So I'll say New York over Paris and um, Minnesota over LAG. Although I, I'm i not too sure about that one, to be honest, because LAG probably can compete with them in S&D and in terms of respawns i think it's more of a coin flip so yep. lag honestly i think gives them a better um a better matchup than say toronto did so let's see paris and then all right so uh i guess do you want to keep going through the losers bracket or do you want to go to the next we can just do the next column okay um, so for me i had dallas playing optic and i had dallas winning that one i, I said three two but it doesn't really matter uh, then FaZe playing the Thieves. I also picked uh, FaZe to win that one 3-2. And then according to the Pick'em doc, uh, this is where they flip. And the Thieves, based on my bracket, the uh, Thieves would drop to the top of the loser's bracket. And Optic would drop to the bottom of the loser's bracket. So it would be, for me, Thieves versus New York and Optic versus Minnesota. And I picked the Thieves and Optic to win those. Okay, so in the winner's bracket, I have Optic beating Dallas. I think Optic really made made me a believer. I think that they're improving, and I don't, I don't know. I just think I think Optic matches up really well with Dallas. Um, I think this, this is a, a much better team from last season, uh, I guess the Huntsman from last season with Dashie. Um, and I have Atlanta beating LA Thieves. Uh, so I would have, what would that be? Uh, the LA Thieves versus New York. Um, yeah. So I would probably say LA Thieves beat New York. And then... You would have the, Dallas versus Minnesota rematch. Oh, uh, yeah. Dallas easy over Minnesota. Oof. I mean, I think 
once, shame on shame on you. Second time, can't do it again. So I think <laughs> so I think Dallas uh beats Minnesota. I think they're uh, an improved team. I think uh I think that was their what second match of the the season. Uh, yeah. they got to see a lot more of other teams and got to see more of Minnesota. Uh, so I'll say Dallas over Minnesota. Oh Jesus Christ, I'm getting so confused with the bracket now. <laughs> We're almost done. We're almost done. All right, so that would put so the winners' now... finals as Phase versus Dallas in your scenario. Yep, and I have Phase winning three two. Okay, so and I... then okay, you just do yours. Uh, I'd just say Atlanta three. over Optic. Okay, and then for you, you would have Dallas versus the Thieves in the losers bracket semifinals. I have Thieves versus Optic. I would pick Optic. Yeah, and I say Dallas over LA. Okay. So then, you had what was your winner? Your winner's final was Atlanta Optic. Yeah, and Atlanta wins. So then we both, yeah, so we both have Dallas Optic in the losers final, and I picked Dallas to win that one. I'll say Optic to win that one. Okay, so then I have Atlanta Dallas in the finals. You have Atlanta Optic, and I'm gonna pick Atlanta. I'm gonna pick Atlanta as well. I'm gonna pick Dallas then. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike, uh, Mike made the pick him for the season. He asked us who we thought the stage one winner would be, and I said Atlanta. I stuck to Atlanta, so I'm gonna I'm gonna stick here to Atlanta. Yeah, I think, uh, like just from a or not gonna obviously like I usually, I don't even like count the pick him and stuff, but um, I think Atlanta overall is the best team. I think that they've shown that. Other than the matches where Simp did not play well, I think they played really well other than that. And I think we're really kind of just like, I don't know, like picking at them. But uh, Optic has not looked great in S&D. Atlanta dominated them in their first match uh, in S&D. So, I mean, what's your reasoning for... I guess uh, you have Atlanta and Dallas. Why do you think Atlanta would beat Dallas? I think it, I picked in both scenarios. I have Atlanta winning 3-2. Uh, just in the past, the, the core of the Atlanta team has played really well in Game 5 scenarios, especially we saw last year they had, you know, it was kind of became a meme to the point where uh, they were just clutching up constantly in those Game 5s. Um, and obviously, you know, as our boy Trem knows, Dallas is supposed to be a pretty good search and destroy team. So mm-hmm. I think if it does go game five, it'll definitely be a good match either way. Um, and that's why I don't really, I, I think Atlanta's going to end up taking it, but I don't really have as much of a problem as saying uh, Dallas will win it just for the sake of being different from you. I think yeah. either of those teams, if they make it to the grand finals, especially if Dallas, um, in your scenario, Dallas would be on more of a loser's bracket run, so maybe they gain some momentum from that. In my mm-hmm. scenario, they wouldn't be on as much of a loser's bracket run, but they still would have played uh, one more match, I believe, technically. Yeah. Maybe? I don't know. I believe so. Uh, regard- regardless, um, that that could play a factor in it, but I still I think Atlanta is we, we got it, you know, only undefeated team right now so far early in the season. Uh, I think they're going to come out. Uh, maybe Selium tries to prove a point. Like, he doesn't snake at all, and he just tries to show people that he doesn't need it to win. Obviously, that's, that might be wishful thinking, but <laughs> um, I don't know. 
I, I think Atlanta looks like the best team right now, so I think they're going to take it. But um, I, I guess I wouldn't be too surprised if Dallas ended up winning. Yeah. I don't – I mean, I wouldn't be real surprised if Dallas optic phase I, – I think, I think that would be it as far as, like, surprising me. But I definitely could see a scenario where L.A. Uh, Thieves or New York win this. Um, New York has looked great uh, since their loss to L.A., which was very close. They should have beaten Dallas, and they crushed all of the lower-placed uh, teams including Minnesota. So as far as um, as competition, I think Group A has uh, definitely uh, delivered because you have Dallas, who you expect to be in the Grand Finals, and I expect to be in Losers Finals, uh, LA, who I expect to be in Losers Semis, and New York, who I actually don't believe will do well in this just because of how the matchups are, especially playing Optic. I think if they had a, if they had finished second in their group, they could have actually I don't know who they would have played in that scenario. It would have probably been LAG, which is a lot more favorable to them. But playing Optic in the first round really hurts them. Yeah. So if like you said, if you think New York has a shot to win this, um, if they were to pull off some crazy unexpected run, in all likelihood assuming there's no upsets on the lower side of this winner's bracket, they would have to beat Chicago, Dallas, and then most likely FaZe to make it to the grand finals. Mm -hmm. They would have to be all three of the top teams on paper to get to the grand finals. That would be a really big statement for New York if they were actually able to pull it off. Do I think it's going to happen? Probably not. <laughs> if, they, if they did, it'd be a really cool storyline and it'd be you know awesome to see. Clay would probably be dumb hype and it would be super fun. But, um, yeah, that that would be definitely interesting. Yep. But it's obviously a very tough road for them to do so. Yep. Um, so that is our predictions for the first uh, major of the CDL season. Um, it starts on Wednesday, March 3rd, uh, with some loser bracket games, and it'll go through Sunday. Uh, I believe that's March 7th, I think. 5th, 6th, yeah, March 7th. Uh, that sounds right, yeah. Um, and then I actually don't know when the second stage will start. I, I would assume we're going to have a week off. There's a week off, yeah. Okay. So um, I can pull it up real quick because I sent it to one of my friends. Um, so, yeah, this the, the major obviously starts this week, and then stage two starts March 18th. Mm -hmm. So we'd have next week off and then the following Thursday after that. Yeah. Um so yeah, we're at least we'll have a week off because I'm already kind of exhausted having seven straight days of CDL just watching. <laughs> I didn't even recap every day, but just watching seven straight days and then getting two days off and then another five in a row. Um it's pretty exhausting uh, from a viewer standpoint. I can't imagine like the players and the coaches they're preparing and uh, they really need to be on their A game this week because half a million dollars is on the line um, and a lot of CDL points. Um, I'm not sure what the entire breakdown is, uh, but I believe you get like 40 points or something if you win. You get 75 points if you win, um, and that's yeah. more than double what uh, Atlanta got for winning all of their group play matches. So um, it's really important in terms of uh, standings for the next uh, stage and for the uh, champs down the road, which um, 
is actually about four months away or five months away. Um, Damn. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, because they started later this season a little bit, so uh, we actually are a little bit uh, farther down in the season than we were last time. Um, I guess we. Uh, I wanted to do an update for uh, who's getting dropped first. Uh, this was a question I believe Benzi had, or I don't. Maybe hype. No, it was it was hype. Benzi brought up the uh, Kerm Clay debate. Yeah. So hype brought it up uh, a few weeks ago. Um, he basically asked us who we thought um, would be the first player in the CDL to be dropped, and you picked Parasite from London because. I mean, they've just had a. I mean, this is before they lost all five matches, but um, they had a lot of visa issues with zero, and he was more just a fill-in. Uh, it seemed to be, and after zero and five, I don't think that they're uh, they're going to, you know, change. I think you're right on. Uh, let's just say that. Um, I just think it's it's it was obviously the easiest yeah. and most logical answer from the simple fact that they announced him as a two-week contract player. So obviously, I don't remember the exact terms of the two weeks when they announced it, but I'm assuming they could sign him to another two-week contract, depending on what's going on with Zero. But just from a contractual standpoint, like his contract is almost up, so it was a pretty easy answer for me, and I'll just stick with it for the sake of the argument. And I said fire because I honestly couldn't think of. <laughs> I honestly couldn't think of any other player that, because I didn't think Florida would do as bad as they did. So even with Havoc on the bench, um, I didn't think that they would have to use their sub. And Seattle, who I didn't have a lot of faith in, they don't have a sub other than Nubsy. So I wasn't thinking that they would use it. Um, but like Hype, I do think Pristini will be the first dropped um, from Seattle. Uh, he did not play well in this first in the Super Week. And Seattle, as a as a team, is one and four, and this is just another season of Seattle being kind of mediocre or below average. Um, and I think that they'll actually tr want to try to make a change. Uh, if it's not Pristini, I I did think that Slacked might be it because Havoc is there, and having a substitute already on your team on salary, I think that's not the it's not unlikely anymore considering how bad they did in super week okay so just from that you, you kind of segue into this um if seattle ends up dropping pristini what do you think their follow-up move is i don't uh, think would be starting uh i don't i don't really know i feel like Who's like a really good challenger player now? Like who is the next guy? I mean, Wester has played well. Um, I, I Wester guys could be an option, but I don't know if they want to break up. For um, yeah. hype just brought up John in chat. That would be really interesting. A uh, another option that uh, I don't know if you would want to leave his current situation because New York uh, Subliners Academy looks strong. Saints. But Saints. Yeah. yeah. Um. Other than that, if you know, Zaptius and Venom are both good young sub players too. Um, but I don't know if Wester is planning on breaking up. We already had that talk about with the Paul X not wanting to join London initially. So uh, not really sure how that would go. But uh, yeah, Seattle definitely 
has some options if they want to go down that route. I don't know if they're going to make a move this early, but uh, we'll see. Um, if I have to give a different answer to just real quick, um, a curveball, I guess, with the London situation could be uh, they drop somebody else and bring in Afro if uh, Afro's visa gets approved before zeros or something like that. Um, I don't really know much about him, but he's a pretty hyped up European amateur player. Um, so maybe they could make another change. I don't know, not necessarily saying they would drop Parasite for Afro, but they're 0-5. If they lose their first match against Toronto in the major, they're 0-6. They don't have a series win. I think they would be the team that would most likely want to make a change this early if any of the teams want to make an extremely early change. Yeah, I mean, London... London has definitely gotten screwed by the visas, um... Like they wouldn't have, they would never even had, uh, they would never signed Parasite. I don't know if they would have ever signed Afro or at least when they did. Um, yeah, like you, like you said, I don't really know what his visa issue is or like if he's in the states or if he can. No, even... Afro's in Europe. Uh, yeah, so like, can he get to the states if they need him like immediately? Um, well, that's what I'm, I'm saying. Like, if for some reason Afro can get his visa before zero, yeah. maybe they decide to play Afro instead. That would be the only situation where I think London makes a different move than what other people are expecting. Yeah, and as far as other teams, I think I, I don't know if Florida will actually make the move just because they might think, hey, we can get through this. This is just like a rough patch, and we'll be able to get through it. Um, but just the fact that they dis they were so disappointing uh, compared to what people expected out of them. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just kind of like something needs to change. And who's the worst performing player on our team right now? Okay, let's get him out. Bring in someone else. Um, yeah, I think if we see it, I don't. I really don't think we'll see a team make a crazy change after this first major. I could be wrong, but. Um, I think it's still really early and we might not see it, but I do think uh, the interesting thing is that Florida is in a situation where they have Havoc on the bench. He's in the U.S., obviously, and he could come in and replace somebody if they feel like that's necessary. So, uh, obviously, it's tougher with, you know, Seattle. They don't really actually have a bench player right now, so they would have to go out and sign someone that they want, and London is dealing with visa issues. I guess Toronto technically has insight on their bench. So mm -hmm. if Toronto loses to London and they feel like they need to make a change, they could bring insight in for someone. But uh, other than that, yeah, I think Florida has just ha having havoc on that bench at least gives them the option. Do I think they'll exercise it? Not. I don't think so, especially because I think they're going to come out and win two matches in the lower bracket here. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. I guess we'll have to wait for another two weeks to find out. Yep. Um, I don't, yeah, like you said, I don't know if we're actually going to have like a roster mania or like a mini roster mania after stage one, um, even even with some of those teams underperforming. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about any of these other subtopics that we have in the doc right now um, or if you want to touch on them or anything. Um. Not really. I guess, you know, if anybody has any questions in the chat, we can go ahead and talk about that. I guess we can just end up on uh, what was maybe one of your funniest or one of your favorite things you saw on Twitter today with the whole drama situation. Um, I don't know. I kind 
like it wasn't even on Twitter. It was in our Slack chat. Just seeing people that aren't used to the COD personalities clashing <laughs> and seeing their reaction to things is really interesting because I'm kind of like, I'm not saying I'm immune to like what was happening because I had reactions to them, but um, I'm just kind of used to Hastro trolling and kind of poking the bears and stuff after wins and everything. Um, so it wasn't like a huge deal. Just the fact that it blew up like it did and it became more personal than I was personally expecting. Um, that was that was crazy. I thought they were just kind of getting a banter and then Jack literally went for the throat. So I don't know. Like it was a pretty crazy day overall on Twitter, but pretty entertaining. Yep. I saw. Um, I want to make sure I get it right before I say it. I think it was Slasher though. Um, oh, crap. Twitter's going slow for me. Um, yeah, so Slasher said, well, what do you have as your number one COD Twitter day? Hashro versus Courage and Jcap or my personal fave, Haggy versus Zapdius? <laughs> uh, I think I would have to go with the Haggy-Zapdius situation in that debate, but uh, today what was up there is definitely an interesting one. I feel like this happens every like two or three months where people get so riled up at just like the the smallest crap and then it just turns into something huge it turns into like an all-out twitter war which is fun because this never happens like the nfl like you might have like no. a subtweet or something from one player or like a few players but you never have a literally it's basically like jerry jones and i don't know like what a content creator would be but like <laughs> just literally jerry jones going at it with people on Twitter would be hilarious. And this is not even like the most unusual like Jerry thing. Jerry Jones versus Romo? I guess yeah, basically. <laughs> it's Someone who used to play under him now has a different job in the scene. <laughs> it, it's honestly ridiculous, but I mean, I'm so happy that we get to I mean, I, we didn't get to like really cover it in depth or anything, but just to be able to witness it and I still get paid to to write about this and watch it and everything that's it's awesome to be honest yeah i think uh the, the final thing we can really say about it we've talked about it before uh in our twitter group chat but uh the fact that cod twitter is still free at this mm -hmm. time is pretty incredible <laughs> it actually makes the scene better like oh it does 100 percent. trash talk is dude some of those my favorite moments in cod history or the crazy trash talk back in the Black Ops 2 ghost days. And uh, I don't think we'll ever get back to that point. But just like some of the situations like this, just, I get nostalgic and it's kind of entertaining. I, I understand from a, like, a, like a sponsorship perspective, you don't want yeah. players like basically roasting each other 24-7. But if we're not going to have the roster manias that we used to, where it's like every, after every event we have like basically 95% of these teams are imploding. <laughs> if we can't have that, we should have something else to entertain us when we don't have matches. And this is the perfect tie over. We, we basically eliminated one day that we didn't have call of duty with some ridiculous drama on Twitter. And if we can keep doing that, that would be perfect. If we could just have some kind of beef or some kind of funny thing happen Every day that we don't have COD, I think we'd be a lot better off. I agree. It'd be fun. 
Um, I think that's about it. Uh, if there are no questions, um, so yeah, uh, we got the major on Wednesday through Sunday. Um, you can check out all the the coverage at dottiesports.com. Bink and I will be writing the majority of it. Um, so do you have any lasting thoughts uh, to close out the show? Um, you want to talk about this, where everybody can find us? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, so I think every platform or every major platform has our podcast now. I know it's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, um, and I, I manually upload it to YouTube. Uh, so they should be so this episode should be on there either on Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, and if you listen to Apple podcasts, make sure to give us a rating, give us a five-star rating. Um, I think it helps us, uh, get up in like the rankings and helps people find the podcast. So, uh, please do that. Um, and also subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, these go up usually like about 12 hours after we get done streaming. So, uh, yeah, uh, do that. Um, I think that's about it. Yep. Uh, Really excited for this first major. I think we're going to have, obviously, we're just coming off uh, the Super Week with 20 straight matches, but it's going to be exciting to see these matches. A lot, the, a, lot of, a lot of points and money on the line, uh, so it should be some good action. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, we'll be back for another episode at some point after the major and before Stage 2 officially kicks Sometime off. Sometime next week. Yep, but uh, other than that, thanks for tuning in, and always remember to send the chow. All right, we're good.